Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one radiant page of Talmud every day. And today's page, Gitin 28. I'm not even going to tell you. Just, just, just listen to this, will you? Rav Yosef says, They taught that one applies the stringencies of the living only to one who is being taken to be executed in a Jewish court. Things really are taking a dark turn here in the Talmud. When even once he is being taken to be executed, he will be released if the court finds evidence for his innocence. But in a court of the nations of the world, once he is sentenced to death, he is killed in any case. Therefore, he should be considered as a dead man in every regard. Abayah said to him, in a court of the nations of the world as well, perhaps they will not execute him as they accept bribes. <laughs> Rav Yosef said to him, when they take a bribe, it is only before the verdict has been sealed. But after the verdict has been sealed, they do not take bribes. Now, this is a subject very close to my heart, as I believe that death sentence really is a barbaric practice that ought to be eradicated. But I sense that there was more to this than meets the eye, which is why I call, the one person I call, when I feel confounded, when I feel in need of moral, intellectual, spiritual, and emotional guidance, my dear friend and teacher and yours, Rabbi David Bashevkin, how are you, my friend? What an absolute joy to be speaking with you today, even on a subject so horrifying and horrific about government execution. But this is actually a fascinating piece of Jewish history that emerges from this very page. What the Talmud is debating is the notion of a chazaka. We normally have a chazaka. Chazaka means a principle of endurance, to use fancy terminology. It essentially means the present will endure. If somebody is alive and we walk out of the room, we assume for halachic purposes that they are in fact still alive. We assume that they are enduring. And normally we have a chazaka that this person is going to be alive unless we know otherwise. And the question that the Talmud is dealing with is what can we rely upon to actually verify that a person has been deceased? If I could just pause for a moment, I think there's something very beautiful about the notion of a chazaka, about the enduring halachic significance of the present moment, where the present moment is kind of invested with actual significance that we assume it is going to endure. We assume the status, the people who we know and love, they are going to continue and, and survive and thrive and all of those things. But there's actually a moment, and this has been cases throughout Jewish history, where we actually have issues with such chazakas, with such principles of endurance that this person is alive, that debate the very issue that we are talking in our page. Can we believe a non-Jewish government that somebody has in fact been killed or deceased? Are we able to believe such a thing? Now, when does this question come to bear? The same exact place that we're talking about on our page of Talmud. When, God forbid, there is a marriage and a husband disappears, you want to make sure and verify that they have, in fact, been deceased in order to dissolve the marriage and allow the woman to remarry and not, God forbid, become an aguna, what is known as a chained woman, to a husband whose fate remains unknown. And the question that has come up over and over again in Jewish history is can we rely on the government? It seems to be from the opinion of Abaya that you just read that we can't really trust these governments. I mean, this was written in... Uh 
I don't know, the 5th century, so maybe a little bit earlier. This was written in like the 5th century, so I don't know what the governments were like in, in Iran in the 5th century. Hopefully a little bit better than the governments presently in Iran, but maybe not a lot better. And you could imagine that there were bribes, and you don't really know who's alive and who's not. It reminds me of the famous scene in Breaking Bad when Gustavo Fring is sat down when they first, first, first get suspicious, and Lieutenant Hank Schrader sits him down and says, we weren't able to find any records of you. And he says, no, in my country, they were very famous for not keeping accurate records. Mm. So what Abaya is essentially saying is like, you can't really trust the government. They don't keep accurate records. But that's a dangerous precedent because what happens if the government tells you somebody's been killed in battle, somebody's died in war, somebody's been executed by the state? Can this woman now remarry? Can they rely on the testimony of that non-Jewish government? And I am actually have open in front of me right Right now, a fascinating responsa that was written on Chaf Zion Tishrei, the 27th day of the Hebrew month of Tishrei, that's uh, right after Sukkot, in the year 1955, Tavshin Tezvav, that's 1955, and it is a question that was posed to Riv Moshe Feinstein. And part of the beauty of the responsa is that it's written all in Hebrew letters, but it's describing English words that we are familiar with. He is basically saying, we were told, and I'm going to actually read the Hebrew because you're going to be familiar with a lot of the words, Shehodiu bedocument she'allah be'airplane v'ha'airplane zed nafal b'hayam hanoda b'shem English Channel. What did he say? <laughs> what words could you make out over there? This is dealing with a case in World War II where somebody went up in a fighter pilot or whatever it was and was shot down over the English Channel. And the question was... Can we rely on the testimony of the government to allow this woman to remarry? Or do we have to be concerned that, like Abaya said in our page, that the government will accept bribes? And Rav Moshe Feinstein, as so many Jewish leaders did in previous generations and in our generation, fights with his entire soul to ensure that this woman will not become an aguna. And he actually makes a very major distinction between the types of governments that are described in the Talmud and the governments that we have before us now. And in fact, Rav Moshe Feinstein says that you can rely, at least in this case, on the United States Defense Department or whoever it was who was giving this information that this husband who descended into the English Channel, the spouse is able to remarry and rely on the testimony of the government. So, so profound and beautiful. Rabbi David Roshavian, thank you so much, as always, for being our guest. My absolute pleasure. This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope that you do, then you're going to enjoy our brand new Take One newsletter even more. Each week, you'll get an extra shot of Talmudic wisdom straight to your inbox. And for those who sign up before Tractate Gittin ends, we'll be raffling off some Take One swag. So make sure to subscribe at tabletm.ag slash Take One newsletter. 
As always, please go rate and review Take One on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts, and you could get your Take One t-shirts, mugs, and other amazing form of swag at tabletstudios.com. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Daf Yomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Ruskay, Quinn Waller, and Ellie Blyer. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Robert Scaramuccia, Courtney Hazelt, and Tanya Singer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You could find us on Twitter at takeone.dafyomi or join us our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic.